It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here on the Locked On Nationals podcast, and it is August 19th, 2021. This is a bonus episode. Dylan Short of Locked On Braves and I hopped on Locker Room yesterday uh, and talked about the National League East, and this is a recording of that. So a couple things here. Number one, go download the Locker Room app on your iPhone, uh, on your uh, tablet, on your um, iPad, whatever it is. You can download it there. Sign up. You can join. You can find me on there at Josh Neighbors, and you'll get a notification whenever I go live. And these are, once again, audio sports. uh, They've got other chat rooms, but audio chat rooms um, that allow us to record as well. So I know every podcast is somebody's first. Just to let you all know, the audio quality on Locker Room is not like podcast uh, quality audio, at least for the ones that we're doing. I'm trying to figure out how to use my mic on uh, Locker Room, the one that I use for podcasts. But as of right now, you do it through your phone or your iPad, all right? So um, that's why the audio quality on this is lower. I know there have been some complaints at times about audio quality. This is not, the, the quality you're hearing right now is the normal audio quality. During the podcast you're about to hear, the conversation you're about to hear, that's just the green room audio quality that you hear when you're in an audio chat room. So it's still, it's still decent for a chat room. It's nice, but it's not podcast quality. So I just wanted to give that disclaimer out there, but I'm posting this episode because it was a fun conversation. And I also want to give you guys an idea of what it's like when we do the locker rooms. So if you have not signed up yet, if you have not downloaded yet, I'll give you guys some impetus to do because this is a conversation between Dylan and I, but also uh, a lot of the times I'll do trivia. Um, you know, I'll do just host rooms. We give some takes, toss some stuff around there. It's a lot of fun conversation. So I encourage you guys to download the Green Room app, Spotify Green Room, if you have not done it yet. All right, here's a bonus episode. Dylan Short and I discuss the National League East and the topsy turvy season that we've had. Got the boys in the building. Why are there two of me? Do you see two of me? I see two of me. Yeah, I threw a request your way too because, you know, you're such a superstar. I am a superstar. It's true. That is true. Uh, let me put out the link first. The Nationals don't deserve you. They they definitely don't deserve me. They definitely don't. This this garbage I have to watch right now. Come on. <laughs> it's funny, though, because uh, we talked about the NL East all year long, which is a pretty good segue to start off our little crossover yeah. episode today for the first time. I think you and I are probably breaking the whole locked on internet space since we're doing a live Spotify episode or green room episode. I don't think anybody's done this before. So we're kind of a big deal now. We are. We are. I, I have, I've done crossover green rooms to fulfill this, but never green rooms that turn into an episode. That's uh, right. Suck it all you YouTube people. Yes. We're, we're reinventing, we're reinventing the space. I had, um, I'd float this idea to you because I think you and I, we've talked about the National League East so much. And I actually made a list um, of the it, – it's got to be the most injured division in history, right? Like, has there ever been a division that's had this many injuries? I don't know. Just like every year it seems we talk about the East and how much of a monster it's going to be. And then it never turns out to be a monster. 
this is one of the most competitive Easts we've had in like the last five years. And it turns out for all the wrong reasons. I'm going to go through this for you. So the Nationals injured. They have Strasburg, Joe Ross, Will Harris, Luis Avilon. And then don't, don't forget to mention during their run, when they got really hot in June, Kyle Schwarber got injured, who was like the, the reigning MLB uh, player of the uh, National League Player of the Month. So that happened. Obviously, he's playing now again. The Braves have Soroka, um, Acuna, Ozuna, who else? And they just got Darno back, correct? Just got Darno back. Just got Enoa back. Going to get Ian Anderson back here in a second. Uh, but but been... <laughs> it's not as many injuries, but just t- impactful injuries. I mean, Soroka, Acuna, and Ozuna. I mean, that's, that's, that's three of your core. Oh, yeah, and just absolutely insane. The fact that the Braves were able to come back from this at all is nothing short of miraculous. Like This has been absolutely crazy. Uh, I did not expect this at all. I didn't expect there to be this many injuries. You never plan to lose Ronald Acuna. It would be like if the Nationals lost Soto for a while. But, uh, hey, I'm not going to complain right now. And and here's the Met. This, this is their current one, not to mention the ones that I already had. DeGrom, Lindor, Syndergaard, Nito, Baez, Martinez, Guillaume, Reed Foley, Peterson, Yamamoto, Oswald, Batances, Gazelman, Lucchese. Um, they, two weeks ago, I believe, two and a half weeks ago or so, when Carrasco made his start. Carrasco was, I think, um, he set the record for most players on the roster the Mets had used in a season. That is before September call-ups. They, they, you know, <laughs> and that's the most players they've ever used. Um they were, you know, they're they're really interesting. We'll get to them in a second. Philly's not as bad. Uh, Herrera, Hoskins, Galvis, Velasquez, Eflin, Alvarado, by far the most inconsequentially hurt team, I'd say, this this year. Well, besides the Marlins. Well, yeah. The, but they had Panic, Petit, Lopez, Devers, Cooper, and Sixto. I mean, they've had – I mean, they were never that competitive, but still, they, they have been banged up a little bit. Yeah. And the good news, by the way, today's uh... – joint Spotify Green Room brought to you by our good buddies at Spotify Green Room, by the way, uh, which you guys are obviously already on, but everybody listening to this on our megaphone platforms or iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or TuneIn, wherever you're actually listening to this, should be downloading Spotify Green Room immediately because you don't know when two gigantic forces of nature, such as myself and our my partner over here, Josh Neighbors, are ready to do live episodes. So Spotify, download the Spotify Green Room app on iOS or Android today. Link up at Twitter. That way you can be kept along whenever anybody drops something cool. You can meet new fans from all around the globe. Get some breaking news. Maybe you'll even find some players on here. I don't really know, but you got to join to find out. Spotify Green Room here, changing the name of the game. So the other crazy thing, I think, from all of this NL East hullabaloo that we've had all season long, one of the things that when everybody talks about the injuries for the Braves, one of the things that that kind of gets overlooked is it's been injuries. It's also been just this gross amount of incompetence in certain positions. The Braves have won seven different catchers this year. Oh I've never God. seen that before. Seven different starting catchers. Alex Jackson, William Contreras, Kevin Smith, Jonathan Lucroy, Stephen Vogt, Travis Darno. Uh, might only be six, and I might be unless I'm missing somebody. I think the Nationals are also probably tied with them because Jonathan Blucroy was also a National at one point. This year, right? Yeah, um, always funny how that works. Kevin Smith managed to make it through like nine different rounds of cuts, and none of us knew why. But uh, thank the good Lord that Travis is back and raring to go because it has been. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, the Braves are undefeated since Travis Starno got uh, got healthy and got back up to the big league club. 
another case of a former Met player going somewhere else and being fantastic. Um, Which is just hilarious. And here's the thing. It's like, you know, the Mets are justified. And look, this is a change of scenery sport. I say this all the time. But Mets justifiably let some of those guys go. Daniel Murphy's defense was horrible. Nobody saw that jump that he would make. Justin Turner was a pretty decent hitter, but it wasn't like anything was crazy. nowhere near the power, by the way. No, zero really power as a Met. He like got, he was he, a. You know what he got? He got. You know this, Dylan. Dad strength. He got some. Dad oh yeah, strength for sure. Speaking as somebody who's a pretty recent dad, it's it's absolutely true. I figured out why it happens too. Why is this? Explain to us. Because these tiny humans make you pick them up and carry them everywhere, so your body just gets used to it, and you don't actually gain the muscle mass. Your muscles just get used to carrying things that are thirty plus pounds consistently had, nonstop. He had a beautiful opposite field home run the other night against the Mets. Just easy power for him. Darno, another one of those guys who had some moments with the Mets, but ends up going else. And he was great with the Rays, and then um, awesome with the Braves. Been Last year was awesome. insane. Yeah, and you know it's it's funny because every single team in this division, besides the Marlins, has had a moment. Uh, the Nats obviously had their moment when they were barnstorming in June. The Braves, their moment is now. The Phillies' moment was for about a week. Uh, the Mets had the <laughs> the replaced Mets was a great story. Um, and all of these teams have had different moments. It's just kind of the injuries, the mediocrity have given this. But I'll tell you what, the Braves, I, I'm, not a huge, I'm, I'm not a huge Snicker guy. Uh, I'm not a – I mean, he's done, he's done well this year. Not a fan of some of the uh, shots he takes at minority players for no apparent reason. Besides that, I actually think he's a pretty good manager. And um, I think he's done a better job than everybody else in this division. And this is the team, once again, that – you know me. I'm a, I really am high on the Braves. Um, I know they're injured, but it's oftentimes in sports there are moments where you don't expect things to go your way, and they do. And to me, Dylan, the big stories. I know the bullpen's bad, but their starting pitching has really come along. It's really oh, it's, come along. Over, over the past two months, the starters have really locked in, and Charlie Morton has been a big part of that. Obviously, was was kind of the big acquisition of this offseason. Um, and it's nice to say, I mean, we, I knew last year, just watching Charlie pitch, that he still had plenty of stuff. Um, he's just at that age, 37, where it probably takes him a little bit longer to get going than it would have in previous seasons. And you throw in the added curveball of, hey, uh, no more sticky stuff. Uh, and you got to kind of scramble a little bit. And for Charlie, that actually helped him more than anything. Because what it did, and this is what I'm going to go down to my dying breath saying, because people say this line to me whenever I talk about the king, Oscar Anoa, they tell me, oh, well, he's not a starter because he only throws two pitches. Well, take a look at Major League Baseball right now. You know the guys who are doing the best? The guys that have said, all right, well, I don't have the command of, of my average, my league average pitches, so why don't I just get beat with my best pitches? And for most pitchers, that means they're dropping to two-pitch type of guys. Charlie Morton has essentially become fastball curveball, and it's worked wonders. Jacob deGrom has been a two-pitch pitcher literally all year. He's like 95% fastball slider, even though he's got, mm-hmm. like, the best curveball in baseball, too. Mm-hmm. And it's how it goes. I mean, it, it makes sense. If you have three pitches that are above average, then cool, throw three pitches. But if you have two pitches that are elite pitches and you have one pitch that is okay, why would you get beat with the okay pitch when you have the two pitches that are elite? Like, it doesn't – it's never made sense to me. So I've really enjoyed seeing Charlie do that. We saw – Drew Smiley doing that for a while. He's mm-hmm. kind of getting up a little bit of hard contact. But for the Braves, you're actually starting to get to a good spot. A lot of the young guys who came up this year to fill those voids in the rotation started pitching really, really well. I know Kyle Muller got sent down after a couple bad starts. 
but Mueller was better in the big leagues than he ever was at any stop in his minor league career. That was really impressive by him. Tucker Davidson was fantastic. He's actually at Northport getting ready to go again. Um, Tuki Toussaint has been pretty good, mostly good. The Braves have some options now. And then when everybody comes back, now you get to talk about figuring out who goes to the bullpen, what happens in September. So for the Braves side of things, you're starting to gel at the right time. And that's kind of one of the other things about baseball. It's such a long season, especially in a full season like this year, where it kind of turns into when do you get right? If you can get right at the right time. We've seen teams for years that, that kind of struggle around, kind of tread water for months on end, but they get hot at the right time. And all of a sudden they get that big momentum jump right when they need it most. And the Braves have gotten that. And the dangerous part about them is it's a winning group. They've, they've, they've been pretty close to winning the big prize before. So that, to me, is another huge um, aspect of this. That's it helps when you can lose an MVP in Acuna and still have an MVP in Freddie and still right. have the best second baseman in baseball in Aussie Albies. And, I mean, Dan's response, you know, I mean, you know, it's right to ask about a move at shortstop, but, I mean, he's been on an uh, absolute tear. And I should mention Austin Riley. Like, Austin Riley's not just an MVP. We know this. He's got to be one of the front runners. Timely hitting is what matters in the playoffs, right? It's it's all about timely hitting. It's not about overpowering another team. It's about timely hitting, about when you score, about how you score, about hitting with guys in scoring position. And um, right now, you know, it's it's a lineup still full of a bunch of, I mean, really talented players who are playing a lot of their best baseball. And uh, also, too, I loved – the move of getting Charlie Morton because that's the type of guy that really helps out a young pitching core. Think about all the young guys that they have. I and mean, even what's the the kid? Is Kyle Muller? Is that his name? Yeah. I mean, they've got Freed, Muller, and I know Soroka's not pitching, but Soroka, uh, Enoa, uh, Anderson. Anderson all Tukey. these guys are young. And how good is it to have a presence like that guy around? That's why when the Nats brought in John Lester, I was like, if this was the Marlins, that would make sense. But uh, on the Braves, it's a perfect fit. He's still super effective. Um, oh yeah, so I think I think that was a, was a great fit, and also um, I love the moves they made around the deadline. You know, I know the bullpen's still not great, but bringing in Rodriguez was a really smart move. And then I'm gonna I, be real I, honest, Rodriguez was like my main key for the move before the Rodriguez news dropped. When it looked like they didn't address the bullpen at all, I was actually pretty frustrated with the deadline because I, I kept saying like, you don't want to just throw away seasons. The idea of windows in baseball is a cool idea, but it's a myth. Um, so I was I was kind of upset. And then the news from Richard Rodriguez dropped at like 5 o'clock. And then that changed the whole nature of, of the landscape because it did. It made the bullpen deeper for sure, but it also made them a lot better. Because you had somebody who technically – that's a very traditional type of manager. So, like, he really prefers to work backwards from his bullpen. But he's also not the most up-to-date on, on the statistics. And he doesn't know which ones no, are Rodgers. No, really. So he kind of burns himself a little bit. Luckily, it works out because Rodriguez is a is Rodriguez is the best arm in the bullpen right now. Tyler Matzik has stuff. He doesn't really have. It, it, when Tyler Matzik's on, he's the best. But overall, this season, Rodriguez has been the best guy. And Snickers not using him. Snickers using the correct way for the wrong reasons. Let me say it like that. Right. Like he's letting Richard. I mean, basically, whatever point in the game he thinks. You know, they got the top of the lineup for the other team or whatever, which that's how I prefer bullpens to be anyway. That's not how Snicker is, but that's how it's working out this year. So I'm perfectly happy with that. If it means that I don't have to watch them throw out Josh Tomlin all the time, then mm-hmm. thank 
God. And it didn't cost anything to get him. Bryce Wilson was one of these guys that, you know, he has talent. He's still super young, which a lot of people kind of forget. Like, the dude got called up at 22. So he's still, like, 24 years old. So there's still obviously talent there. I I think the Pirates would probably like him. He fits pretty well with what they want. They got another guy, uh, Ricky DeVito, who the Braves drafted in 2019. DeVito's a guy that I don't know if he's – I think he's going to be a reliever long term, but he's got one of the nastiest split fingers in the minors. It's actually pretty pretty gnarly. So for the Pirates, they'll enjoy watching him. Um, I thought that was the best one. Jorge Soler has been a lot of fun. uh, Yeah, he's a feast or famine guy, really, isn't he? I mean, he's just – it's all or nothing with him. It is. But when he connects, man, he crushes baseballs. It is so much fun to watch. He's just so big and strong. Everything off the bat, over 50% of his balls off the bat for him this year had been over 95 miles an hour. It's absolutely insane. He just crushes baseballs and doesn't strike out all that much, believe it or not. But my main thing, though, talking about everybody else in the East, I got to ask you, man, why did Washington want to stick a thumb in the Braves fans' eyes and trade Turner to the Dodgers? What are you doing? Uh, I'm back. I'm back. All right, we're good. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, you were saying about 50% of his what? Over 50% of the baseballs off of Jorge Soler's batter, 95 plus. Like the dude just crushes baseballs. But we have been talking about the Braves a lot. So I got to get this out here because you're like the only Nats fan that I'm actually friends with. I'm not a Nats um, fan. Correction. Uh, okay. Mets, Mets fans like cover the Nats. Okay. Um, dude, what in the world? Why would the Nationals trade Trey Turner to the Dodgers? Why would you make the evil empire stronger? I I didn't get it. I um I thought that the package they got for Trey uh, or for Trey and Max could have been a package they got just for Trey. Uh, I I think he's the, I think he's that good of a player. Dude, you, know, you have no idea what I would have given up for Trey Turner. I know, I know, and 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 you seem to think about this like me. And, and let me well, let me see what you think about this. Trey Turner, cornerstone shortstop, was a leadoff. That's pure shortstop in baseball on a championship team. He's not a great defender, but it's good enough. Well, I'm going to disagree with you there. Trey Turner has been a good defender and above average to a really good defender for almost all of his career. Yeah, OAA this year year is so screwed. Like, OAA is so messed up right now. I think the shifting is kind of messing with the numbers a little bit. Because I've noticed that all these guys that were previously really high-end defensive shortstops are really suffering the last couple of years now that everybody's going into these crazy shows. Oh, well, I mean, watch him, watch, him, uh, watch him when he plays second base or when he's over there. Does not look comfortable. Really does not look comfortable on, on that side. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked either because you you basically have to do everything in, in reverse. Whenever you play shortstop, right. you have a specific mindset. That's why most shortstops, when they move, they prefer moving to third because you still have kind of the same game plan. You still have kind of the same stationing. Most of the time, you're gearing yourself towards, especially if you're a a shortstop who's better going to his left than his right, third base is a way better position for you because most of the time you're you're going left. Uh, right. But if you're if you're that same type of guy and you're better going to the left and switch over to second base, everything is in reverse, especially your footwork. So if you really watch guys that have played shortstop exclusively, when they move over to second, they tend to have a lot of issues with double plays because they try to go with a different foot and they got to try to consciously remember. You got to use your other foot. Your footwork goes different. The way you come off the bag is different. So I'm actually a little surprised that the Dodgers are throwing Trey Turner at second. He's a better defender than Corey Seager. I thought for sure they would run Seager at third, move Justin Turner to second or to first, because Turner's got a lot of second base experience too. 
Yeah, I just think you're concerned about the range at second, right? With just, I mean, he. Oh I mean, yeah. Actually, ironically, in a shift, you actually ask your third base to have a bit. More, well, he's he's screwed. He's screwed on, on that left side, basically. But um, <laughs> I think Trey. Look at his offensive numbers. I know he's not hitting like Tatis, but you compare him to Tatis, and it's like, look, the defensive difference is gigantic. Trey is a much better defensive player, much better than Tatis. Offensively, Tatis is a little bit better, but how much better is he? And you look at Trey this year. I don't think he's that much, to be honest. No, it's not. And so I talked about Javier Reyes earlier this year about Trey um, and 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 uh, Tatis, and I was like, look, in a playoff series. You know, I kind of wish I'd rather have Trey Turner because I'm not horrified that if a ball gets hit to him, it's going into the third row, right? On, on the, the throw. So to me, that's a guy, and also the year of control left. Like he, he's so valuable, and and I thought for the he's just so talented. There's, I don't. It's hard for me to say because he's you know he's always tortured the Braves. But there, there's not another, there's not another shortstop in baseball that if you were to ask me who would I want, there's not another shortstop I'd rather have than Trey Turner. I love his style of game. I love the fact that he can beat you with everything. He just randomly decided one day to wake up and become a power hitter, so he did. Now all of a sudden he's a guy that runs like eight high eight hundreds, low nine hundreds OPSs in addition to being one of the fastest people in baseball. I mean, it's it's absolutely crazy, uh, and I, I, I'm kind of glad. I'm glad he's not with Washington because it means that the Braves don't have to face him. But uh, I'm, I'm not excited that he went to the Dodgers. Speaking of, as we get back to back to so get ready to go, today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar, which you guys have heard us talk about a lot here at the Locked On Podcast Network. That's because Built Bars are the greatest protein bars in existence. Not only do they taste good, not only are they jam-packed with protein and not jam-packed with carbs, they're also one of the most interesting types of bars you'll ever have. It's a protein bar that doesn't taste like a shoe. It doesn't actually taste like the sole of the shoe. It's actually got a nice soft inside. It's almost like a candy bar. Or, you know, if you're well-traveled and you're an actual sophisticated person, it's kind of like Turkish Delight. Uh, but really, really cool. Bunch of interesting flavors. You guys should check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15. Whenever you go. Definitely want to be doing that. Go to go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get $15 off your first order. Try out all the cool flavors. Salt and caramel is the way to go. Also, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.ag. It's a place where Josh and I go whenever we really want to show off and make a little bit of money, especially on MMA bets. Uh, yeah. But it's cool. If you haven't ever done it before, you're not uh, used to gambling, BetOnline is a cool place to go. they got tons of lines. It's easy to navigate. The system and the setup is really cool. Um, go there now. If you use our promo code Locked On, they're going to give you a nice surprise at your initial deposit. And Josh, you and I talk MMA all the time. Yes. Did you take did you take Cyril Gaon on the bet online money line? Uh, no, because he was too big of a favorite. Uh, I I put three dollars on Derek Lewis just because I love Derek Lewis. But you uh, should have listened to me then. I told everybody Cyril Gaon third round TKO. That's a great bet. I mean, that's 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 phenomenal. I mean the fact that you nailed that and uh you know, also bet online. I mean, the most extensive odds you're going to find anywhere. They've got. And if you if you have a different line and you don't see it on there, you can always just email them. And they'll, if it's a cool line, they'll they'll make a line right there for you. Generate lines for you. Yes, they will actually generate lines for you, which is fantastic. Um, can I finish my Trey Turner point? Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so like Trey, I mean, he's so valuable. If you have him on the team and you've got Trey and one, we already saw this year. All they had to do was bring Kyle Schwarber in, and because those two guys are so good. Kyle Schwarber elevated his game. They were they were just a 
a bear to deal with. I've said this a bunch, but try getting through Trey, Juan, and uh, and and Schwarber three, you know, three or four times in a game untouched. You can't, and that's why keeping Trey and Juan together, it just would make them, it gave them a much better chance to be competitive faster. And I think it's hard to get value back for a player like him. Sure, Max on expiring deal, it's the value, you know, it's easy to assess. But Trey with a year of control to a winning team that good. I mean, they got some good players, yeah, but like, holy hell, man. He is, he's almost one of those guys that feels like you can't trade because he's so damn good. The problem there is, one, the, the biggest problem with the Nationals and what they did was they chose, they chose Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer right. over Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, and uh, basically any other of their decent. Yeah, they did win a championship, so I mean, you know, it's. It's, yeah, you know, you win the championship, but to be fair, even in that championship run, they really didn't look like a championship club. I, I was not alone in thinking they were going to get bounced fairly early in the playoffs. It, but that's another point to what it shows. You get hot at the right time. All no, of a sudden, they had when, a bad bullpen. When you least expected sometimes that those teams Oh, yeah. Had a in. bad bullpen just like the Braves. Don't forget, the Braves and the Nationals were both racing to, to get bullpen help on, like, the final 10 minutes. Of that of that uh, trade deadline. Well, great point. Remember, they use they use Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin's awful now, but they they use Patrick Corbin a lot out of the bullpen because they were so makes sense non confident, and they're paying for it now, both out of pocket and with performance wise. The way they use those. To be fair, I'm actually I think it was smart for them to for for Rizzo to finally just be like, yeah, yeah. we made a mistake the way we did it, so we got to get some players. I thought that I thought it was a super light deal. I know that the Dodgers took on all of Scherzer's money, which is a big deal. Yeah, but they still I mean, own the third money afterwards too, which is tough. I mean, Kiebert Ruiz is is a really good prospect. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's really the superstar catcher that a lot of people want to say that he's going to be. He seems to do a lot of things pretty well, but doesn't really have much of a carrying tool right now. And he's kind of been that way for the last few years. For a long time, he was supposed to be the stud catcher for, for L.A., and Will Smith was supposed to be kind of the don't really know what he's going to be. But right. Kiebert's never really hit super consistently. Uh, I like him, I, but I, I just think the Nationals could have gotten more. I mean, to be I just honest, go, you, I would have given Jalen Lears in a heartbeat. Like, I would have given Jalen Lears. The Dodgers have the fact that they have a guy like Kiebert Ruiz who is disposable. Yeah, and, and Josiah Gray. Because Josiah Gray, while he's yes. an outstanding prospect, and the Nationals really needed some pitching prospects, Yes, he's basically an Ian Anderson type where – kind of unknown if he's going to be top of the rotation type dude or more of a middle of the rotation because he gives up a ton of bombs when that curveball kind of hangs uh, high I, it's got so much spin on it it gets jacked but he's a smart kid which uh, you can tell he he's out there knows what he's doing and i like the fact that the, you know giving up the bombs i mean uh, it's not dissimilar to a guy like max scherzer the thing about about josiah is pounds was a excuse me he pounds the zone he oh, is yeah. with attacks with attacks with attacks I like the kind of pitcher because number one, it gets the the fans usually home a bit faster. But I don't I don't want to watch guys nibble. I, I really don't have much of an appetite for that. And um, I like guys, you know, who you can see them thinking about how Some to use stuff. And he's and he's one of those guys, and he's he's got good stuff. And he and he's somebody that, that knows to attack the zone. He likes getting ahead of the hitter, which I always freaking love. I absolutely love that. Um, Mason Thompson, the guy they got in the San Diego trade, I love this dude. He throws. He throws exclusively just hard sinkers. I mean, hard, hard, hard sinkers. Um, they got a bunch of catchers. They got uh, Riley Adams from Toronto. They got some kid from yeah. 
famous Riley Adams who hit his first home run of his major league career off of Will Smith to win a game. Not going to forget that one anytime soon. Uh, he uh, he he hit that thing. I mean, he parked that thing at like three rows. Like three. Do he hit that in the Hank? He yeah. hit that in his first home run into the Hank Aaron Terrace at like one hundred and five off the bat. It was crushed. Um, and then you know they uh, they got the kid. They got a kid from yeah, Oakland. Like I mentioned, they got a kid uh, Riley Adams, and they got Caper. Um, so you know, that, and look, I'm a fan of that because it's a premium position. And that's it's just such a hard position to find. That's why you're seeing guys like Rushman go number one. So I've seen guys like Davis. I think it's his name, Henry Davis. Yeah, go number one. Um, so I, I just think that you know they they needed to rebuild that that part of the roster. But also the the issue for them is if Strasburg is going to be injured and Corbin's going to suck like this, they're not going to be good for a while because they've got so much money tied up in those two guys. And um, look like. This happens in all sports. You're more attached to your draft picks. So there's a bunch. You're more attached to your draft picks. And that's why Steven Strasburg it made sense. You give him the big deal. He just did the best year of his career and um, hasn't worked out because he's been injured. And so that's the difficult part of it. I think they're going to try to wait as much as they can to go after it again until they can clear some money, especially Corbin's, off the books. Um, but, yeah, they're in a weird spot. And they the, the biggest trade they made, they got a – they got somebody for John Lester. I'm not sure what the hell the Cardinals were thinking. Lane Thomas, <laughs> They're the Cardinals, man. Lane Thomas had two hits the other night. He is already everybody else is running away from old dudes, running away from dudes with bad peripherals. And the Cardinals are like, you know what? Let's just copy the Royals. Let's not get our young guys experienced. If we're gonna lose, let's lose the veteran guys. Not I mean, Lester, they bring John Lester. They brought some Jay Hat too. Yeah, Lester's got. I mean, I don't know what what you know, Lane Thomas might suck, but at least he's got control left. Like, and the fact he's that... He's a good defender. I thought they were going to DFA John Lester. I thought they were going to try to cut I mean, at some point they're going to cut him. The fact that somebody gave them a player, let alone a guy with actually, like, you know, <laughs> control left. What the hell are you doing? He helped turn the Braves around. When the, when the Cardinals and the Braves played that three-game set, that was a big turning point for the Braves because the Cardinals threw out three of the exact same pitcher in a row. They threw out Lester, who the Braves have only seen 10,000 times. And predictably so, the Braves crushed the 88 mile an hour John Lester because he couldn't. He can't I mean, he can't strikes. hide that shit anymore. Like, you know, he can't, well, he can't throw strikes anymore. either. And if, yeah. if the umpire is not going to give him balls off the plate, which he'll then whine about, he's going to get crushed. And then they threw Jay Happ the game after that, which is the exact same pitcher. And then they threw Wade LeBlanc, who's so unknown to me, I actually called him Wade Miley for like a full week. Oh, I remember. They're LeBlanc. all the same pitcher. I forget where he went. He was somewhere else before. Um, but yeah, I mean that's you know, and so the Nats clean house, and the problem now is like it's just they need Keboom to be good. Victor Robles at some point just needs to be below average, and he's so good at defense and center field that he'll be like a good player. Uh, that's kind of what I'm waiting on. It's like, dude, just just hit like two thirty five and get on base like three forty. You know, right? Learn to take walks if you're not going to yeah. hit very well. And this is something that I've been kind of struggling a little bit with Pache. Don't ever tell Aram. Um, yeah, I'm the biggest Pache guy you'll find. Right, but I do. I think Pache is going to be a stud. I think as a floor, he's got a Victor Robles. It's kind of that same thing, just ridiculous defense, a ridiculous cannon of an arm that's super accurate as well. Yeah, the PJ Tucker. It's like a, it's like a PJ Tucker, Shane Battier. Yeah, yeah, there's this the defense weird always thing plays with these super fast guys. They keep thinking that they have to hit their way on, and they all end up running the same issue. If they're guys that, that tend to struggle and, and end up running, you know averages under as much as they don't like using batting average if they run batting averages under like 240 the problem is you see their walk rates always drop to like five percent and below like if you're not great with the bat dude just learn a batter's eye half the pitchers today aren't going to be able to throw you three consistent strikes in the zone like pick a spot and do damage with that one spot 
it's it's what's you know it's what's hilarious now watching the Nationals like they their offense struggles so much because their best hitter never gets cheated once yeah. right? and nobody well, can drive, nobody can drive him in but like he his goal I mean he's he almost it's almost like he should be a leadoff hitter because he's so good I actually agree with that base. I think leadoff or two would be the perfect place for him I, I mean, think the issue so with Soto is the, so, the issue with Soto now is there's nobody to worry about in that lineup Josh Bell I, is okay and that's the best you can say about Josh Bell. That's yeah. Keep him, keep him is such a mystery to me because I've seen him and I've seen him on days where I've gone, dang, that dude is going to be a star. Right. And then I've seen him where he looks completely lost on both. I've never seen a breaking ball on both offense and defense. Yeah, I've seen it in the same game. I've seen him come up with a play defense and just be like, holy crap, that dude's a stud. But then I've seen it like another two innings later where he comes up and it's like he's never seen a breaking ball before in his life. Right. Yeah. It's it's the. Um... It's really interesting. They've got a bunch of these guys. I mean, the problem is now it's tough to judge, but Keebum's actually hit really well this month. He's had a really great month of August. Um, uh, Garcia, is a, she's just a young kid. He's going to get bigger. just needs reps. I like him a lot, too. I, I like, like his batters a lot. He's a good athlete, and I think people are like, where's the power? It's like, dude, he's 20. It's coming. Yeah, just wait. He's big. He's not, he's not, like, he's not a big kid, but like, he's filled out. He is, he, he's, he's going to fill out, and – He's and he's still like 21, 21, 22. He's, he's going to get bigger and stronger. Like he still right. hasn't got his man strength. He still has his baby. Right. His baby exactly. Strength. Exactly. And, and then from there they have to, you know, they have to start um, in the fields gonna be a question. They're going to have Josh Bell obviously next year. I think it, they're probably not going to be very good. So they might trade him at some point. Um, Robles, I think it's next season and that's it. I mean, you know, he's got to show something next year and then left field is going to be interesting because they've got Yadiel Hernandez who's, uh, 30, I like him a lot too, though. 33 year old rookie baby. 30, Dude, I, I like that. his swing, man. He some is, of these guys, some of these guys that came over from the Cuban League, you can't judge them the same way. It takes them a little bit of time to adjust to an American style of breaking yeah. ball. You see it with Japanese hitters all the time. The also, are they list him at 5'9, 185. He is bigger. No way. He's no way. Easily 6'1. Um, Easily 6'1, 6'2. Six six as hell, too. Yes, he big, is. Big dude. Man's got a donk on him. Yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah he's he's just a thick guy, and um, I saw him hit that walk off opposite way against the Cubs. I was, I was there for that two home run game for him, and he's a guy you know I, I think might actually have a chance to play for them and on a team. You know, he kind of reminds me of reminds me of Yuli Gurriel. Remember when Yuli yeah. came over and nobody really knew who he was, but he was a stud in Cuba for years. Right. It took him a little bit of time to adjust to the breaking balls in the American game. And Yadi was a guy that's had good numbers in the minors just for a long time. There really wasn't much that the Nationals had to call him up for. And yeah. for one, some weird reason, like the Nationals don't really like to call up prospects during the season. I'm not really sure why that is, but they typically don't. They typically roll with – they're almost like the Cardinals where they roll with veterans more than anybody else. Um, but, I mean, Nationals fans kind of get to know your prospects because that's kind of the spot you're going to be in because the National League East is getting kind of crazy. And I'm not going to be shocked if – I don't think the Mets are going to completely tank. I think they will this year because they're the Mets and it's hilarious. Um, but they, they're starting to get a little bit better. When they get healthier, they'll start doing a little bit better. Uh, I still think the Phillies are kind of hosed. I know that they're, yeah. they're performing pretty decently this year, but that's that's not a very talented roster. Not a well con- no, I, I agree with you. It's not a well-constructed team at all. Not a no. team. Like, I they, got, they got Zach Wheeler, who's awesome. Aaron Nola has not been good since they no. cracked down on the sticky and heat. So, and they don't have depth. I mean, Kyle Gibson's yeah. a really nice pitcher, but they don't have depth. Dude, I mean, they paid Matt Moore on purpose. Right. Right. I think, you know, we go to the Mets. The big 
problem I think they had is that they could not soberly evaluate their team because they didn't play enough together this year. And they made a panic move and got Baez. Um, they're going to re-sign him, too. Which I think and I think they're going to get a pretty good price on him. Uh, I th- you play I think- him at third or second? I play him at second. See, I'm the opposite. I play him at third. I pick between J.D. Davis and uh, Dom Smith. One of them gets dealt somebody to, to an AL team. One keeping of those dudes. Dom. Is I'm keeping Dom. Dom's got more trade value, but I'm keeping Dom. The the thing Nemo's awesome. Love Brandon Nemo. I hate Nemo. You do? Uh, well, just he's just such a hardo. It's you know it's really annoying to play against him. Um, I, I hate I hate him because of that sprinting to first on a walk. I will be. It's very Brett Very Brett. Uh, he is he is a the best thing that I can call him. He is a goober. Like he's yes. one of those dudes that you're watching. Like if you're playing against a guy like that. You just look at him like, oh, my God, what are you, the biggest Asshole. teacher's head in the world here? Yeah. yeah. Very good, though. I don't know. Michael Conforto, your guess is as good as mine. What they're gonna do. I love Conforto, but I need him to actually I, – I love Michael Conforto. I think he's I the think next he's, one. He, just gets it, he gets it in his own head way too easily. It's happened before. I think he's the next one, that Once he leaves New York, he's going to explode. Yeah, and – but the problem is, you know, it's like I think he's going to probably take his qualifying offer this year. Um, he probably should. Yeah, I mean, he's been um, – He's been, it's you know, he's been so up and down, and the Mets have the Mets have a lot of difficult decisions to make. Um, they've got luckily they've got a very very rich owner. Yeah, but the, but the problem is it's like it's it's all about strategically spending the money. You know this. I mean, it's it's you know the Dodgers are so smart because they build depth. They build a shitload of depth. Helps that they have it, one of the best farm systems and yeah. best development teams in baseball, though, too. Yes. Took all the best parts of the Rays and just said, hey, by the way, here's unlimited money. Have fun. Right. And, and, and we've seen this time and time again. Like these teams that have the depth, it's those guys who step up, you know, you know the Adam Eatons, the Howie Kendricks, um, you know, Darno's, you know, it's, you know, those guys are the people that really make championship teams. And uh, I think for the Mets, you know, like I thought VR and Pilar were good pickups. Those guys were really effective for them when everybody was injured and hurt. Um, and that was important. But the problem is when the team came back together, they didn't – they have not played well at all. And uh, the – I mean, here's the thing. People can crap on Lindor all they want to. Look at, look at the team when he was there and look at them without him. He is a natural leader who brings – The only thing you can crap on is his offense. His defense has still been yeah. superb. And, it, and yeah. for that Mets team, the defense was almost as important as the offense. The Mets have guys that can slug. Like, even without Lindor hitting well, they have guys that can go deep at any time. Right. The problem is they have zero defensive ability, except for somehow Pete Alonso. Well, their team – and it's weird because their team was so good at defense earlier this year, but then – Lindor goes out and look what happens. Yeah, change everything around. The defense goes. And that's why I'm thinking it's it's like having his presence. Having it's him, also because it's the Mets, and if, if yeah. there's a way to be disappointing, the Mets are going to find it. But the, the, my problem is the fans. The Mets fans are awful, and, I, and as somebody, I mean, I'm one of them. It's like stop complaining on Twitter. Baseball is a sport for people who can. If you can be patient, that's that's you know you need to be. The games are long. The seasons are long. It's not but football, this, dude. There's 162 of these. Yes. The core of the team, like, yeah, it might not work out for the Mets this year, but you know what you don't do? Panic. And I, I mean, I, I kind of like Luis Rojas. The players like him. Should you panic and fire him? Who you have to you have to know who are you going to hire uh, as opposed to having uh, you know, Luis Rojas? You know, it's uh, pitching. You have to keep building that up. I, I think it's about make, getting the right relievers. Stop paying for guys. It's not how it works. Do not. Pay I kind of think the Mets went the wrong route when they were creating their style of team with the ballpark that they have. It's not a very hitter friendly ballpark. 
that's the type of team that I would have expected to build around pitching, not just starting, which they did do, but the bullpen too. Because if you can control the types of, of the, if you can if you can limit opposing teams, you know you don't have to be an offense that can drop seven eight runs. You just have to be one that can drop three. And with that, I mean, with Degrom and Stroman and Syndergaard, and uh, uh, even Taiwan Walker, who's just getting tired yeah. now. Oh, and Miguel just I mean, came up and was good. I mean, think about how much de- depth they actually built before the season. They had Syndergaard. Oh yeah. They had Carrasco, who they brought in. They had uh, David Peterson, and then Joey Lucchese and Jordan Yamamoto. Obviously, Degrom and Walker and Stroman. They tried to prepare the best they could for the, to have pitching depth, and they still got really injured, and it still didn't matter. I mean, they. You know, the, the amount of injuries they suffered this year was absolutely mind-boggling. But the thing was, when they were not very healthy, they still played good enough. And then now they got healthier-ish, and things have not gone their way. The pitching has not been as good. But the offense the offense is where I blame them. They're not good runners in scoring position. They feel like they're down. There's no way they come back. Uh, and to me, you know, that, that's been the difficult thing for them. It's like this group's still learning how to play together. And uh, it might not work out this year, but this is a good core. If you don't think this is a good core, you're an idiot. And this is a really strong core that they have. And, and I there's think, no need to really blow it up. I mean, yeah, it's not it's like there's any... the correct way around it. Like, I want to see Baez and Lindor together in the middle infield or in the infield together in the lineup. Like, I want to see what they can do, you know, if they have all their guys healthy and they make – they need to make one more move, I think. Nothing super crazy. I don't think they should go hog wild. But some, they need to bring in somebody who can bring them some consistency. Well, they need to bring in another guy kind of like Seth Lugo. They've got a lot of guys in the pen who can strike out like 15 per nine, but they're also going to carry like five walks per nine. And right. Lugo's kind of the only arm they have in there that's consistent with command at all. And you can't run him out 80 yeah, times. Aaron, Lu- Aaron, Luke not work. Too. Aaron Luke's been really consistent. Yeah, this year. But Luke yeah. is also a guy that I've seen his control waiver quite a bit, in particular with Freddie Freeman. Somebody's going to pay, um, pay Aaron Luke this offseason. So, dude, there's some – Relievers are going to be so crazy this year because there are a lot of relievers that just exploded. Like Kendall Graveman, no one should have expected Kendall Graveman to pitch well, um, but he yeah. did. There's a lot of guys that Paul are like Seawald, that. former Met. Paul Seawald, again, another Met that figures out how to be yeah. at least halfway but, but after leaving. Relief pitching is the number one example of it being a baseball being a sport where like change of location can really for make, sure. So and that's why you shouldn't spend big money on these guys. It's never. You know, you should try to find guys in your own system and bring them in. And uh, guys like Kyle Finnegan, who the the the, um, the Nats ended up getting last year, and has been, you know, they had to lean on him a lot last year, but he's been absolutely phenomenal, uh, like really, really strong. And that's the kind of guy that you should find. I like I, I like guys um, like uh, uh, totally, Edwin Diaz. I really do like Edwin Diaz, but like oh, I do too. It's hard. You don't see that stuff very often, so you're always yeah. going to bet on the stuff. He's been Electric. good before. Just the New York curse got him. Now, before we get kind of close to the close here, yeah. the rest of my like the Braves fans in here are going to get super pissed at me if I don't do my thing, which is talk about the return of one Waskar Noah yesterday. Um, I am going to crow about Waskar Noah for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can confidently say I was the first person on Waskar the way that he is. Um, it's, it's the jump he made from what we saw for his first few outings in the big leagues when he was basically just a reliever to when he came in this year has been so insane. And I started noticing it really started noticing it during, during spring training and they changed his arm slot a little bit. The big problem with him before was that he didn't have the type of command to really generate his K numbers. But dude, 
The slider that he has is one of the nastiest sliders in baseball. It is such a late break, and it has such a good late drop on it, too, that it almost works like a sinker as well. It's like when it does get barreled, it's got so much sharp movement that he's really good at missing the barrel with it. And because it has that downward force, it plays like a sinker as well. He's got three different sliders that he throws. His fastball, he'll sit 97, 98. He can reach back for 100. We've seen him throw 100 in game. And, oh, my Lord, I am so happy that he came out and was really good yesterday when pitch for pitch with Sandy Alcantara, who's very, very talented, too. Him, yeah. I will say that. But uh, all of the all of the nonsense I've been having to hear about how, oh, well, he should come back in the bullpen. And, oh, well, you know, he's only got two pitches, despite the fact that he was by far the best pitcher for the Braves before he got angry and punched a wall or a bench and broke his hand. <laughs> uh, it is it is so nice to have him back. I, I cannot I cannot brag about him enough. When he comes back next year and he comes in and he's got a split change working too, you are going to see him absolutely explode with the K numbers. I don't know if it's going to be he's, – he's got six pitches. He only throws really two of them, but he's got six or seven. Like he's got a cutter that he kind of plays around with. He's got a true sinker. He's got a two-seam. He's got a split change, and he has a, a faster splitter as well. And he even kind of dropped a curveball yesterday, which is weird. But if he comes back, I won't be shocked if he comes back with a cutter next year. Something to kind of get in between that that slider and fastball where he can have that same break as the slider, just harder. If he's able to do that, you're going to talk about a guy that, that almost everybody in the Braves organization, most of the front office to basically 99% of the fan base, had just assumed was going to be a reliever. And this is a dude that could be the highest strikeout guy of anybody in the rotation. It is just absolute filth. Yeah, they've had a, they've had they have so many good young pitchers. Uh, it's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, Dylan, do you want to give away your social media um, credentials? Yeah, absolutely. If you guys are looking to follow along with a couple of Braves podcasts, follow me at Dylan X Short on Twitter or the Locked On Braves account at Locked On underscore Braves. Since I was never able to get the original Locked On Braves account back to me, but whatever, I'm not that petty or that jealous. Just follow along with both of those. Uh, you can find me. At Josh Neighbors underscore, you can find the show at LO underscore Nationals. You can also find the Locked On Big Twelve podcast at LO Big Twelve. Ooh. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't explode in the conference. Well, I mean, now that uh, Oklahoma and Texas are on the way out, yeah, tough. But uh, that's where you can find me, uh, Dylan. This was fun, man. Absolutely, the first live episode. Thank you to the guys in the room. I appreciate y'all showing up for the live episode. We will uh, probably do a little bit more of these in the future. But Josh and I breaking things. Uh, y'all have a great day, and we will be back later, right here on the Locked On Braves and Locked On Nationals podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.